Hey, it's Laura Palmer, host of Island Crime. I'm here to tell you how to get ad-free content and early access to episodes right now. All you need to do is subscribe to Island Crime Plus on Apple Podcasts. When you subscribe, you get to be first to hear new episodes, all ad-free. Pop down into the show notes for a direct link to subscribe. If you like Island Crime, you'll love Island Crime Plus. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. Amber was supposed to be in a friend's wedding this summer. She vanishes just weeks before the wedding date. I've seen happy photos of the wedding party out shopping. Her friend trying on gorgeous gowns as Amber looks on. The wedding is postponed. Her friends focus all of their efforts on finding Amber. Okay, you guys ready? Calling themselves Amber's Army. Volunteer searchers fan out over the back roads, gravel pits, and trails south of Nanaimo, near where missing woman Amber Amber's friends have been searching, strategizing. They are determined, but they're also deeply feeling her loss. And with that loss, there is also anger. Anger at whomever is responsible for their friend's disappearance. I'm Laura Palmer, and this is Finding Amber Island Crime Season 4. No one here believes Amber just took off, or that she harmed herself. Amber is many things to many people, but everyone seems to agree Amber was happy. Just the happiest person, so cheerful, caring, loved animals. Yeah, everything wonderful it was, was, or not was, is Amber in a person, completely. Really bubbly, really friendly, wholesome, just like a, you know, like a, not judgmental, not a, like stuck up or self-centered, just really, just nice, genuine girl. Amber, she's just, she's a pretty girl and she, you know, she has beautiful long blonde hair and she doesn't leave the house unless she looks her best. And not even all done up with makeup necessarily, but well put together, fashionable, uh, trendy clothing. You know, she has a cute little figure and so you would recognize her if you knew her, even from a distance around here. If people would see her, oh, that's Amber. Uh, she was always like really friendly, like right from the probably the first time I met her. She was all, never mean to me or anybody I knew, like just always really kind growing up and going to school through those years, like always just friendly. And just remember the kids would call her Auntie Amber and, you know, they would sit with her. They thought, you know, she was pretty and she was cool. She made everyone feel special. She'd go out of her way to help you if you were upset. If you needed a hand with anything, she would do any way she could to come and help you. Like, I just moved back to town in May, and she dropped everything and came over with a girlfriend and packed me up and moved me back home and unpacked me. She just wanted to help everyone and everyone to be happy. Definitely a heart of gold. The people I speak with about Amber are careful about voicing their suspicions on the record. That's not so online. Rumors abound 
And for a time, Amber's friends shut down comments on their advocacy page. There's just too much painful speculation. The man police named at the beginning of Amber's disappearance, Justin Hall, the boyfriend who was first thought to be missing along with Amber, is at the center of some of that speculation. To be clear, Justin Hall has not been charged in connection with Amber's disappearance. He has not been named as a suspect or a person of interest, terminology some police here in Canada now discourage. I, too, am not going to indulge in any such speculation here. In this episode, I will focus on the known facts about Justin, about his relationship with Amber, and his behavior since she has vanished. I'm Laura Palmer, and you're listening to Finding Amber, Island Crime Season 4. Be the change you want to see in others. That's how Justin Hall introduces himself on his personal Facebook page. Before Amber's disappearance, Amber told a friend she was helping Justin with making a change in his life. Justin was staying at her home on the lake as he tried to get healthy. In a Facebook post shortly before Amber disappears, Justin acknowledges his past while trying to shine a light on aspects of his life he seems to take pride in. I'm the guy that opens the door, pays the bill, puts his full heart into the person he loves. I don't wander. I don't entertain thoughts of other women. I tend to be vulnerable at times, but I don't regret that. I have a dark past, but I don't intend to go to that place again. I was always in it 100%. I rode through the rough times with loyalty and respect. I never pasted others publicly or used them as a way to advance in my position. Yes, I'm sensitive, but I'm also very protective and prideful. I know when I've lost. Loss has been part of my life. I'll continue to advance and be the best version of myself. But in the end, who is really losing? Most of Justin's social media posts are filled with pictures of him working out, lifting huge weights, pumping iron, showing off his bodybuilder physique, the tattoos on his arms and legs. In the relatively short time I've been researching Amber's story, I've tried to learn what I can about the man. I'd love to speak with him. I've sent him requests. But it's not clear to me that my requests for an interview have reached him. I've also reached out to dozens of those who are connected to him online. Only a few get back to me. One who has worked with him as a roofer. But no one will go on the record. I get a line on someone who knows him from prison, but nothing yet. Yes, prison. Justin referred to his dark past, and he has a lengthy public criminal record here in BC, beginning in May 2001. Justin is born in 1982, the same year as Amber. So that would make him roughly 19 when he's first found guilty of a theft as an adult in Surrey, British Columbia. I'm not going to go through every part of Justin's criminal record here, but I'll summarize by saying there are break-and-enters, thefts, multiple breaches of probation. He pleads guilty 
to many of these offenses. Most of these take place in the Lower Mainland, but then later in the decade, there are some here on the island. There's a break and enter in Duncan in 2007, and he pleads guilty to that as well. There's thefts, robberies, lots of breaches. In October 2020, he pleads guilty to a break and enter, possession of a firearm, fraud and property offenses in Nanaimo. Justin does lots of stints in jail, four months to 18 months for robbery. You've heard the description of Amber from her friends and family in this series. She's happy, outdoorsy, beautiful. How did these two people get together? The answer to that question, Amber and Justin, like so many people, they met online. They met in the late spring of 2021. That summer, Amber posts pictures with him out on the lake. One friend comments on how happy she looks. But of course, the pictures only tell part of the story. That summer, Justin is living in a halfway house in Nanaimo. They can only see each other on weekends. One of her friends tells me she believes Amber didn't know the extent of Justin's criminal past. I think about what other friends have said about Amber, how non-judgmental she is, how kind, how she sees the best in people. It's also simply possible that given their limited time together, she wasn't able to really get to know him well at all. By the fall of 2021, Justin is back in jail. A source tells me Amber didn't want her mom to know this and directed him to write to her at a friend's home, which I'm told he did faithfully. When he's released in the spring of 2022, Amber picks him up. But not long after this, Amber tells friends Justin has gone on a bender and she breaks up with him. Amber wants to support Justin, so when he asks to come to her home for a few weeks late in June, she agrees. Remember, she has a big heart. But she tells a friend they are not back together. She's helping him with getting his life on track, and they could talk after that. But there was no title for him right now. She writes, we'll see what happens. He's supposed to go to a dry camp in July, but he took a job in town here instead because he can't sit around. And he's fixed everything at my place. I finally have two kitchen sinks that work. The relationship is on and off, punctuated by long stretches of time when they don't see each other. Shortly after Justin surfaces after Amber's disappearance, he writes a note to check news. Here's what he says in an email to the news station, forwarded to me by a source. Hi, my name is Justin Hall. I'm Amber Manthorne's boyfriend, and I want to know if I can submit a small comment that I hope you could air. First, I love Amber. She is literally the only person that loves me. I don't have texts or calls from anyone but her. I did not hurt my girlfriend. I do not know why she isn't back home. After our argument, I panicked 
and I just wanted to get away from everyone. I wasn't able to contact anyone because I didn't have a cell phone. And by the time I did, it was too late. I was already guilty in your eyes. The night of her alleged disappearance, Amber was far more distraught than I'd ever seen her. She was panicking, apparently, because she was losing her place and she was dealing with our relationship stuff too. I read a pamphlet that was posted around Nanaimo that I was the last person with Amber. That is not true. I spoke to the RCMP and told him what happened that night. I understand that everyone is very on edge, but I am part of this too. I lost the only person that still had my back. I have been calling her cell phone just to hear her voice, and then I cry till I have no tears left. I would give anything to get her in my arms. I'm positive that there is something going on here other than her death. I'm very confident that she's alive, but I'm worried about the individuals she may be with. And this is not the only time Justin has tried to get his message out about Amber and how he feels he is being unfairly treated. Just over two weeks after Amber's disappearance, Justin goes live on Facebook, posting a number of strange and disturbing videos of himself at 41st and Granville Street in Vancouver, a place he says is close to where his brother was murdered in 2010. And indeed, a check turns up the following headline. Craig Hall, identified as Vancouver's first murder victim of 2010. Police do not release the cause of death, but residents told investigators they heard gunshots fired overnight. Now, over a decade later, Justin Hall, Craig's brother, returns to close by to where he was killed. Those videos have since been taken down. I won't share them in their totality here. Much of what Justin is saying doesn't really make sense. But here's some of what he had to say late July 2022. So basically, I, I've been, um, I've been um, having death threats for the last three days, most recently in the last hour here at 41st and uh, 41st and Granville, making threats of like, I'm going to get my head kicked in. And if I fight back, I'm going to get it worse and I'm going to get shot. Um, basically, it's been just one of those crazy it's been four months they've been doing this i've lost my truck i've lost my fucking home i've lost my dignity i've lost everything basically i'll die tonight this is a rich group of people and uh they have a lot of friends they're gonna they're gonna kill me but i'm live on facebook you know what i mean and i'm gonna post this on all fucking platforms so they can kill me or they can um they can stop chasing me around but I went to work and I had people, you know, clowning me. And then, um, you know, I went back to the house. I just didn't feel comfortable, man. It's like everybody's in on this big joke that Justin doesn't know about. You know, I've known you guys for years. You've all been my, like, we've grown up from childhood. I've never done anything wrong to you. I'm always, like, polite when I speak to people. And all I get is the gears. Like, if I eat a hot dog, somebody will laugh. I Look at how he's eating a hot dog, you know, or, if, like, anything. Like, the way I talk, the way I walk. How can you guys claim to be good people, but do that to people? 
you know, you got like a lot of you probably know that my girlfriend was seeing multiple guys doing gross stuff, posting it on Facebook, just clowning me like it was the worst scenario in my life. They've been they've been circling around all night trying to get me, man. I just you know what I do? I got to jump back and forth because like it's it's the worst feeling of my life. And if they're playing a game where this is all just to get a rise out of me or whatever it is, even that in itself is harassment. And and it's like a lot of you know, my brother died on this street, eh? He was shot in the back of the head on this very street. This is the street that I got driven up to today. On the same street that my brother was shot in the back of the head. How, the thi- how, how do you think I felt when people started ripping around me, yelling that there was a price on my head? That was before I started getting like, crazy like hey man like the like i've got nothing left to fucking lose these shoes costed me 30 bucks my truck's been sold and i've got nothing like why don't you talk to me and ask me what happened why isn't it why don't i ever get my side like when i was finally found after i was missing nobody ever asked me what happened nobody ever asked me like hey what's up everybody just started hating on me on facebook and saying that i murdered amber the only person that I ever had, the only person that was ever nice to me, like you guys have all been, I, not you guys, but like the whole community has been shit to me. And she's the only one who opened the fucking door to me and loved me. But she's so mesmerized by this like lifestyle of this like hidden gem of a, of a treasure. Like it's like, it's all just a game to them. They, they handed me a pack of smokes today. It had writing on it. And then as I'm walking through, I hear that, it, that it's got cyanide on the tips. And then, and then like, so I threw it away, but I could feel that my breathing was really, like really rough, right? And then I knew that people wouldn't, so like the people I, I was walking with there offer them a smoke. No, 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 we don't want that. So I chucked the smokes away because they tasted really weird. And like, they were definitely, there's something wrong with them. So from trying to poison me, I go to McDonald's and order a muffin. They take it in the back and then they come back out with it and they're laughing. And then the guys are outside laughing. I go for a coffee. They go around the side with it. I can't trust getting food unless it's packaged. And uh, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to die today. But I'm going to die knowing that I've at least been able to say my part. My girlfriend's not dead. My girlfriend's probably in Toronto setting up for her fucking Timmy comes out of the well fucking speech. You know what I mean? But I've been a murderer. They've been searching for her, yet there's been 30 fucking cars chasing me around that should be searching for her. I'd be searching for her if I wasn't being fucking, like, I can't even join the search. I would get fucking mauled at that. I can't jump on Facebook and say anything because nobody believes anything I say. You know what I mean? Justin's a liar. No, he lied. What did I lie about? What did I lie about? I've had a girlfriend fake her death. I've had another girlfriend fake missing. I've had them getting rich off me, making Netflix series, spreading lies about me. And all I've done is done nice stuff for people. That's all I've done. I've went to my parents' house. I was there for two days. I'm there fixing their siding. I'm doing dishes. I'm like, I'm not the guy sitting around playing video games. I'm the guy putting his gloves on and getting to work. You know what I mean? That's the kind of guy I am. But you see me on the street when I'm in trauma and you want to poke at me and prod at me and make me sound like this other guy. You know, that's not fair, man. From what I observed in those videos, Justin appears to be tired and paranoid. 
it's possible he's wrestling with an addiction or a mental health issue. One of the videos ends with an ambulance team showing up. Meanwhile, here in Port Alberni, the Vancouver Island Integrated Major Crime Unit, or VIMQ, are on the case. VIMQ manages and investigates homicides, suspicious deaths, and missing person cases where foul play is suspected. Amber's friends and family continue to wait. They are dead set on finding Amber, finding answers, and one day finding justice. I will update Finding Amber if there are significant developments on any of those fronts. But for now, I will leave you with this bittersweet tribute from Amber's dear friend, Kim. My name is Kimberly Derdix, and Amber is my best friend. She is the sweetest, most kind-hearted person that I know. She has the biggest smile, brightest blue eyes, and the longest real eyelashes you've ever seen. Amber is a tiny woman with a huge personality. Amber's dad passed away at a young age. She was raised by her mom in the house that her dad built before he passed. The first time I met Amber was in grade seven. We both played field hockey together for four years. The summer before grade nine, my family moved out Beaver Creek in the country, which was closer to where Amber lived. And after that, we were pretty much together all the time. Amber is someone that everyone loves. She makes friends very easily, and she would always go out of her way to make you feel special. She always loved the holidays. Easter was our thing. Her mom would make an Easter basket for me every year, too, I think until we graduated. Right before Easter this year, she joked that she was going to ask her mom to make us Easter baskets. Amber's mom has always been a strong female role model in my life. Amber took after her in many ways. She was always independent and up for any challenge. She wasn't afraid to get her hands dirty. When it came to fixing things, Amber would give it her best shot before calling a repairman. I remember picking her up from school one morning and she was using a blow dryer to unthaw the pipes so she could have a shower. She also ordered a new belt for her dryer and replaced it herself. When we finished school, I moved to Ontario and Amber moved to Vernon, BC. We would talk on the phone all the time and make plans for the future. She would say, one day we're gonna live at the lake together. That fall, Amber found a great off-season rental at the lake here in Port Alberni. We moved in with another one of our friends. We had so many firsts in that house. We made our first turkey dinner together and invited all of our friends. We bought the biggest Christmas tree on the lot and went out all out on decorations and gifts. We got snowed in for weeks that winter and it was one of the best times ever. When spring came, we had to move. We always kept in touch, even when life got busy. Amber always made time for me. She always had an eye for detail and a love for fashion. If you didn't know her, you would think she was a real girly girl with a city life. However, her real passion was being with her friends and enjoying the outdoors. Amber loved the water. She was a strong swimmer and loved boating and exploring new places. Her dream came true when she started living at Great Central Lake. She had everything she loved right on her doorstep. In 2011, Amber got married in Mexico. I was her maid of honor. Amber was such a beautiful bride and really made it a special trip for all of us. 
The day before her wedding, we were supposed to do a rehearsal, and she said, I don't think we need that. Everyone here has been to a wedding before. I'm sure you just walk down the aisle and say I do. So she booked us all a cruise to a beautiful island, and we spent the day snorkeling and parasailing. She was right. The wedding was perfect, even though we didn't know what we were doing. As I said before, holidays were her favorite. She never missed one of my birthdays, and there was always a fun party planned for hers. One year, the theme was tight and bright. It was held at a restaurant on a little island off Nanaimo. We all looked like we were ready for an aerobics class in the 80s. Even the guys went all out. In 2018, I got married, and of course, Amber was my maid of honor. She has been there for every important event in my life. I always thought we would grow old together and we would have a lifetime of these stories to share. I know her disappearance is quite recent, so people that don't know her have said maybe she's just off on a holiday. I can assure you that Amber would never disconnect from her family, friends, and her community. She loved her life and would never do anything to jeopardize that. I do not know her ex-boyfriend, Justin Hall. All I know is that he was the last person to be seen with her. She was doing him a favor by letting him stay with her while he was waiting to go to camp. This man claims himself that he had lost everything. His job, his home, his truck, his girlfriend. Amber was kind enough to let him stay with her while he was waiting to go to work. Amber has always had a heart of gold. I know something terrible has happened to her. It's hard for me to accept that she might not be coming home the way we need her. But we won't stop looking for her until she's found, and the person responsible pays for what they've done. Amber Manthorne has not been found. The search for her is ongoing. While her disappearance is certainly out of character, it may not be a crime. Anyone who may have information and has not already spoken with police is asked to contact the Port Alberni RCMP at 250-723-2424. And if you want to help support Amber's friends, you can join them on Facebook through the group Finding Amber Manthorn. I'm Laura Palmer, and this is Island Crime Season 4, Finding Amber. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now.